Denmark is known for many things, open sandwiches, delicious butter, and some of the world's best bacon. But less than two decades ago, few would have predicted that Denmark would also become a world-leading nation for gastronomy. You're listening to the Food Nation podcast. I'm Kath Mersch, and I'm your host this time. For many people, Denmark's culinary revolution began when the Danish chef René Ratzepi and food entrepreneur Klaus Meyer opened a new restaurant in Copenhagen. They called it Noma, which in Danish is short for Nordic food. And they focused on using seasonal produce that has grown up in the regional climate, water and soil, what's known as the local terroir. A year later, in 2004, they invited Nordic food professionals to a meeting. They wanted to know about how to develop a regional cuisine that would compare with the greatest kitchens of the world. By the time everyone left, they had agreed and signed the Manifesto for New Nordic Cuisine. We invited two people who have followed Denmark's gastronomic adventure at close hand into the studio. We wanted to hear if this was really how it got started or were there, in fact, any earlier clues? Here's Danish food writer Lars Bjergård in conversation with chef, cookbook author and catering entrepreneur Trina Hahnemann. Welcome, Trina. Thank you for having me. We are going to talk a little bit about uh, how uh, Denmark has become a leading nation uh, within the field of gastronomy. To put it a little blunt, we went from bacon, butter and biscuits to uh, a gastronomical hotspot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the first question that pops into my mind when I when I think about how it has developed in Denmark throughout the past 10-15 years is, what happened, Trine? I think it's a quite a long story in the sense that that can't happen overnight. Nope. So in the 70s, we had some very, very talented chefs here in Denmark. They started out cooking not only French and Italian cuisine, but looked into what is actually uh, our own terroir and what is our own style of tradition and how can we mix in uh, the European style with that and make it more local. And that started out a movement slowly. But surely we also had some amazing French chefs who met women, Danish women, and therefore moved to Denmark. How, How lucky can you be? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and there were about, I would say, there was a group of about 10 really talented chefs who started really creating businesses and restaurants at a Michelin level. From that, we got small producers around the country who were supporting these restaurants. So it takes a few generations to be ready and of course, we can't talk about this without talking about Noma and René Redzepi. No, and he had an idea and a very intellectual idea. And there was other people like Klaus Meyer who worked at the same ideas and how to put that on the map of the world. But I will say René Redzepi, he took it to a new level in the way of understanding terroir. When we have a restaurant at that level where 80% of all the people who eat there comes from other countries... They have to eat somewhere else. So they come for a long weekend and all of a sudden there's a room for other restaurants at other levels. So all this happened and to claim that it started with Noma or the new Nordic Kitchen Manifesto is only half the truth. Yes. Uh, you tell there's a long movement towards that. 
Yeah, I mean, in the 70s, that's where we have Erwin Lauterbach yeah. and Søren Gericke, yeah. who are the, the two main people to talk about who starts cooking local vegetables in a more simple way. Of course, still influenced by how you would eat in France, but still much more Danish, much more looking at the local fish, thinking about, you know, we have amazing mussels, we have really nice oysters. They started to gradually mix in the terroir, and that takes time. We had some very famous restaurants in the 80s, I believe, were very big part of this. Also because we have to remember that in Denmark, we have a state-run apprentice system, so to become a chef takes four years And this group of restaurants, they employed and educated a lot of the people who turned out to be the next generations of, you know, moving this movement forward. So the people who trained some of the chefs who are the big names today were trained by the people I'm talking about. So there's like a, it's a chain reaction. And craftsmanship is the core of this. You can have very good ingredients, but you need very talented people to interpret these ingredients. But you can't have very talented people without great ingredients. So These two things have to go together. And when they do that, like we have been so lucky here that they've done, magic happens. And what also happens is that uh, so many chefs and so much talent from around the world uh, are coming to Denmark now to be part of this. And many of them stay on and yeah. open their own restaurants yes. and so on. So so what's to come for Danish uh, gastronomy when, if we look at the, specifically at the restaurant scene? What we see right now is a lot of you know, other cuisines, international cuisines uh, made with local ingredients. So we have Mexican, Asian, Venezuelan, you know, other very specific cuisine, but still done with the Danish terroir season, mostly. One of the things that has become a cornerstone in this culinary development that uh, Denmark has undergone is the organic movement. I guess it all started out as kind of a counter reaction towards uh, the industrialization of our of our food. Uh, but now it's everywhere, even in industry. Can you talk us through the movement or what happened uh, within the organics? We pride ourselves of being world champions of organics in Denmark. Yeah, I think it started with a range of producers who started to grow food in a different way. And then uh, early on, we got a state certification system that was very trustworthy. It worked from the beginning, which is very important. So you, we have a specific Danish stamp uh, that is now a big European thing, but it started out and it's called Ømerke, which is a, the, the certification. Uh, and it's a, it's like a, a special Danish letter that is read. And, and that became a really big brand and therefore people bought into it. So I think you can talk about it. it's a perfect collaboration between the public and the private sector here that made something work. And then, of course, you saw a small producer growing bigger and uh, being successful in creating a product that was closer to the consumer, but also to the chefs in the restaurants. They could meet with the farmers and talk to them. Uh, the farm to table became more real. And then because of that, It also became big in the consumers. And even, I mean, if you go to, in Denmark, supermarkets, even low-budget supermarkets and discount supermarkets are really big and organic because it became a selling point and it became a, a great way to compete and get people in the stores to see what range of organic there is available for the consumers. But Trina, in your own uh, business, uh, both uh, the canteen, the catering business, and in your own restaurant, Østerbro, here in Copenhagen, you're almost 100% organic. 
In the canteen business, some of them are 90 to 100, and yeah. some are 60. Okay, all so, right. And then the business in Österbro yeah. is 100%. 100%, yeah. so yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. And I guess it's not all about just converting conventional produce to organic produce. You also have to change the way you cook, right? Yes, there's things that you can't do because it's you can't... Uh, You can't get it organic, but the price point you can say is still is still what we're looking at to make it affordable. So you have to do it really seasonal. We have to look at the seasons, and also because we believe you know in in buying as much local when it comes to fresh produce. So of course there's there is obstacles, but all in all, I would say you know it's just about menu planning, and then it's not that difficult actually. But of course, you have to be prepared to eat a lot of cabbage and root vegetables in Denmark <laughs> in the winter and wait for spring to come and be in close dialogue with the producers about what is possible. You know, climate, uh, what the weather is going to be like for the next year is also going to define when does the seasons end and start. And that's the premise of living on the northern hemisphere. It is. So this focus on local terroir and climate and so on, that is such an integrated part of the new Nordic cuisine and everything is also something that uh, you have to take into consideration if you want to raise your organic level in your your own business, of course. Yeah, but I also think we need to talk about what is local because local for me, can be a real obstacle because if you go to Mexico, everything is local. But that's easy because they have avocados. and I mean, they have everything just outside all the time. And also, if you go to the south of Italy and say to them, you should, you should start cooking locally, they would look at us like, eh, what are you talking about? So it is a special story for the Nordic countries because we, we have months without much produce because of the weather. I think for me, local is actually, you know, It's Europe. We also want to trade with other people. And when you live in the north, we can't live without certain things like coffee and lemons and olive oil. So, But what we do really well in this part of the world is dairy products, grains like spelled and rye. And we have a lot of heritage grains. We have these speciality products that grows really well here. And then we have amazing vegetables when it comes to root vegetables and cabbage. And we have great traditions for pickling. And all of that for me is what is the Danish Nordic offer. This is our tradition and this is what we could represent to the world and we can do that locally amazingly. But to be 100% local here wouldn't make any sense. One of the things that has become the Danish way or as you could say it, it's, uh, it's, it's become very integrated part of what we do gastronomically in Denmark is uh, collaboration between uh, stakeholders from big industry to via shifts to small producers. Why do you think that is such a Danish way of doing things? I think it's because we started the co-op system in the mid 1800 The reason why Denmark became so wealthy so quickly was because of that. So small farmers, they organized themselves locally in the 1850 to 1870 and created a co-op system so they could sell their produce directly and get the money themselves. And these co-ops still exist. You know, the big companies in Denmark today grew out of these co-ops. And that's a way to do business is to, you know, do it together locally so you can grow strong. And that is difficult because you have to sit down and discuss how do we want our society to be right here where we live. 
And we also had a big thinker called Grundvi, who kind of started that movement. And he also put the emphasis on it's very important that the farmers get educated, that they feel that they are part of life and, and that they, you know, read and they talk about and that their voices are being heard. So we had a very unique moment in the Danish history where we were all together, you know, solving problems and growing an idea of equality that is part of our society today. And I think the collaborations are still working and the, as I said, the, the organic uh, certification is part of that. But still, we, you know, the government keeps putting advisory boards together or com commissions and, and, and think tanks. And um, I mean, I've been personally sitting in, in a few of them over the years and you always sit there with everybody from, you know, the smallest producers in Denmark to the really big companies and we all have a voice And there's a discussion about how do we solve these uh, problems and how do we inspire to go forward in the time that we live in now. And do these discussion groups, do they work? Yes, I think they do. Of course, it can be intimidating when when you ha are sitting with companies who have a turnover of billions, you know, and they're biggest on the market in the world and this and that. But I think that they also understand that that the real storytelling and in and and in the movement of change is much easier on grassroots levels often because there's fewer people. So, so there is an exchange uh, and otherwise maybe they're pretending, but I, but I feel that I get listened to, of course. And we have one of the biggest dairy companies in North Europe is also the biggest organic company in the world. So they have to listen because they are dependent on that we together tell this story about this small country in, in the Northern hemisphere who, can do things differently. Yeah. So Denmark is not only the huge multinational businesses, they're also the small producers and yeah. they have a lot in common. And uh, when they meet eye to eye and discuss certain matters and certain subjects, it's all a part of strengthening the story that is Danish gastronomy. That was Lars Bjergård and Trina Hahnemann's take on how Denmark won itself a place on the world gastronomy map. If that's wet your appetite, you can find lots more stories about Danish culinary entrepreneurs on our website, foodnationdenmark.dk. And let us know if you want to get a taste of the local cuisine yourself. We've got a few tips to share. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for our next episode, coming up soon on foodnationdenmark.dk or on your favorite podcast app.